Hi, I'm Sarah Schweig of the Center for Court Innovation, and today on New Thinking, I'm speaking with Dr. Mara Schiff. Dr. Schiff is an associate professor in the School of Criminology and Criminal Justice at Florida Atlantic University. Her work specializes in restorative justice with focuses on community justice and juvenile justice. Dr. Schiff is in New York because she has just participated in a research roundtable on youth courts hosted by the Center for Court Innovation. Thanks for speaking with me today. Welcome. Restorative justice basically is about healing the harm done to victims and communities while holding offenders accountable for their actions. So to start, can you give us a brief description of what some restorative processes look like in practice and how are these practices different from the sort of business as usual approach in the criminal justice system? There are many different types of restorative practices. The most important thing about restorative practices is not the model it uses, although I'll talk about those, but the values and principles on which the intervention is based. Specifically, as you mentioned, the idea of repairing harm, the idea of including stakeholders, so the victim, the offender, and communities in the response to crime. That it be an inclusive process, that it be flexible to the needs of the participants or those who have been affected by the particular event. Um, and, a, and a series of values respect how we interact with each other. It's not so much just about the model, although there are models that demonstrate, if done well, that demonstrate these values. So for example, there's a victim-offender mediation, which is a dyadic model with a victim, an offender, and a facilitator. That can then expand outward to something called a conference or a family group conference, which might include a victim, an offender, a facilitator, and members of their respective families and possibly other supporters. That can expand further outward to something called circles. And in circles, there may be the facilitator in circles is called a keeper, who may do a lot of work prior to bringing, in in any of these interventions, a lot of work is done prior to bringing the parties together, and you would never do that without making sure that it's appropriate to put these people in a room together. But in circles, you may include the victim, the offender, their families, and anybody who feels like they have a stake in the outcome of this event, that they were affected by it and want to participate in how it's going to be discussed and resolved. You're here in New York for a roundtable on youth courts. Youth courts train teenagers to serve as jurors, judges, and attorneys handling real-life cases involving their peers. How do you see the goals of restorative justice relate to what you've observed about youth courts during your visit? And do you think youth courts can be restorative? So I've learned a lot about youth courts in my visit. And there are, as with any, as with any process, even including traditional court-based processes, there's advantages and disadvantages and things that work and things that don't work. What works about youth courts? Again, and in any of this, the caveat has to be when they're done well. What works is that uh, it gives youth an opportunity to engage with their peers about the impact of their actions and what needs to be done to resolve it. So that it's not simply about adults telling kids what to do or punishing kids for what they do. It's kids working with kids and understanding the actions and behaviors of their peers not of people who they can't really relate to. Youth courts also have a lot of different models. Some of them are restorative, some of them are not. And it's not better or worse because it's restorative. It's just the model on which, through which it's been implemented. Personally, I like things that are more restorative, obviously. Um, So I believe more in models that are restorative. And by that, I mean that are dialogue-based, that are not 
deliberately punitive, that are inclusive and flexible to the needs of the participant, not adversarial. It's not about us versus them. It's how do we collectively understand and respond to what's happened. In an adversarial model, we are generally trained not to take responsibility Mm -hmm. rather than to take responsibility. And a restorative process is grounded in taking responsibility and being honored for that, being respected for the guts and maturity it takes Mm -hmm. to be responsible rather than to deny responsibility in hopes of getting lesser punishment. Mm -hmm. Youth courts, when implemented restoratively, that Mm -hmm where they are about repairing harm, and they are about understanding the impact of your actions, and they are about giving youth an opportunity to make amends and earn their own redemption back into their communities and be honored and respected for doing that, to become known as the kid who does good rather than the kid who's always messing up. As you know, evidence-based practices are very much based on being able to prove outcomes in certain ways, improving impact and quantifying what a program is achieving. And I I saw you wrote that um, the impact of restorative justice interventions on communities is especially problematic because definitions and boundaries of community are amorphous and hard to pin down. So I was wondering if maybe you could talk about some of the challenges of evaluating the impact of restorative justice programs especially those perhaps designed for youth and do traditional measures of effectiveness like delinquent behavior or recidivism adequately measure effective programs? Over the last 10 years, probably, we've gotten far more sophisticated at measuring the impacts of restorative processes. Mm -hmm. Yes, we should measure recidivism. Yes, we should look at do restorative interventions reduce subsequent harm and offending as much as or more than traditional court-based interventions. Of course we should look at that. But we shouldn't use that as the exclusive gauge of whether or not a program is working. I've been working for the last four years looking at restorative practices in schools because I've come to believe that by the time a kid gets into the juvenile justice system, we've missed so many opportunities to learn that something's going on with this kid, and we've missed so many opportunities to intervene in a way to direct him out of the system, and that there's an opportunity in schools where you have a captive audience. Kids have to be there. Mm -hmm. And given that, we have an opportunity to teach them ways of behavior and ways of interacting with each other, ways of accountability, ways of being engaged in community. So for example, if you're looking at a restorative practice in a school, Yeah, we want to look at, did we keep the kid out of the system? Of course, it's hard to measure what we didn't do. And that's one of the hardest things about this, is it's hard to measure what we prevented. But for example, is the kid doing better in school? Does he have more friends? Is he showing up? Does he feel engaged in his school community? Is he talking more in class? Now, those aren't necessarily things that you can say a justice-based intervention is responsible for doing. But there are ways of looking at the benefits of a practice that are not just about did the kid commit another offense. And particularly in restorative justice processes, we want to be attentive to that. For most of the kids who wind up in the justice system, there are so many problems. There are so many issues that these kids confront that it's really unfair to say that because A or B intervention did not produce the result of keeping them out of the system that we've done a bad job when there are, f- there are many other issues and problems and concerns that may face this kid 
right. that, that are just so much more complex than did he not reoffend again because he participated in a circle. Right. Youth courts can occur either in a justice setting or a school setting. But the language of those settings differs. The outcomes we want to look at from those settings differs. And the way that the restorative practice integrates with other things that are going on in a justice process or in a school-based process are very different. And we have to be cognizant of the environment in and outside of the school and what a kid may need to do simply to survive. So we teach a kid how to talk about what happened, then he goes to his home or his community and is given a completely different set of cues, is, is ridiculed mm-hmm. maybe for talking about it or wanting to be quote unquote sensitive mm-hmm. to someone else or to somebody that he harmed. When if we're not including communities in the type of work we're doing in a justice system and in a school system, we may be beating our head against a brick wall because we can't, through one intervention that doesn't permeate all of the different communities and environments a child may have to encounter, we tend, when there's something like restorative justice or a different intervention, to hold it to very high standards. Like, it's got to do everything that the court system doesn't do to consider it effective. Well, no, it doesn't have to be the be-all and end-all that solves all problems for all kids. Right. How... How does restorative justice itself change when applied to young people, do you think, or how should it change? And Kids are kids. Mm-hmm. Kids do dumb things because they're kids, not because they're evil. But if you look back 20 years ago or 30 years ago, things happened in schools or, or on streets that were not criminal offenses. They were just what happened. Mm-hmm. And kids grow out of them. Now we criminalize a lot of small minor stuff that kids will grow out of and it's tragic and we're putting kids into a system for stupidity really or for immaturity not for criminal behavior so we have to be aware that kids are kids and their mental and moral and social psychological emotional development is not that of an adult and we can't interact with them like they should know that we have to teach them that i'm sarah schweig of the center for court innovation and i've been speaking with dr mara schiff about restorative justice and juvenile justice to learn more about the center for court innovation please visit our website at www.courtinnovation.org thanks for listening